Welcome to the Decentralized Opportunity Podcast, a weekly podcast discussing innovative ideas in business and technology from unconventional and often overlooked sources. I'm your host, Tanner Lytle, here with your other host, Wyatt Carson. Hi, Tanner. Hello, hello. All right, so we're back with another interview. Yes, yes, I'm very excited. Tanner, who do we have today? Yeah, so we have Michael from Handlebend. You are based out of O'Neill, Nebraska, is that right? O'Neill, Nebraska. Nebraska's Irish capital. I was going to say self-proclaimed. I don't know if that's true or not, but well, it's official. So either way, it is official Irish capital. Yeah. So you probably had a good time with St. Patty's Day a few weeks ago. A little too good a time. Yes. (laughs) What's what's the population of O'Neill? 3,500 people, give or take a few. Um, Yep. We've... uh, We've managed to stay the same for quite a long time. It was roughly within, you know, a few percent back when I was in high school, which is getting to be a long time ago now. But, um, yeah, we've been maintaining maintaining our population. And uh, they say when I was growing up that there was always over 10,000 people in town on the St. Pat's weekend celebration. So it's, a, it's quite an ordeal. Yeah. <clears throat> well, anyways, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Um Thank you for joining us. And today we want to talk about handle bend. Could you give us a high level? Give me a high level overview. What 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 is this? What is this company? What do you do? Uh, wow. Uh, you know, there's days where I need to answer that question for myself. Um, <laughs> so, in a nutshell, we build copper mugs by hand. Uh, it, that's what we've done since the inception. Um, obviously, like all good startup stories. Uh, we started that project as a side project, maybe not even a side project. First, it was a an experiment and then a hobby um, and then a side project. Uh, pretty, I, I always say I hate the word organic, but that's really the only thing that fits because it was just, you know, it was a 10-year process from the time we built the first mugs. Um, I built the first mug when I was in college and it was really nothing more than a party trick, um, you know. My dad is in the HVAC business, and so there's always a pile of scrap copper laying around. Um, we had kind of a boar's nest or bachelor's pad of sorts, and that was right around the time that the uh, the Moscow Mule was kind of coming back in in the pop culture and in the trendy bars and stuff. Um, and so we scoured the internet, which this was really even before Amazon had taken its foothold. So it was uh, it was largely just eBay, and I just was watching eBay for different stuff and. We ordered a set of copper mugs for our for our house, um, and when they showed up, they were just the the ones you would recognize, kind of a you know a bubble shaped mug with a stainless steel interior. And the story was such that you were supposed to drink Moscow mules out of copper, and so we were pretty disappointed and boxed those up and sent them back. Um, and then I was back home in my hometown of O'Neill for a weekend and figured out a way to fashion up a. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a mug looking back as a drinking vessel with a handle. And it didn't, <laughs> after many tries, it didn't leak. Um, and I carried that proudly to parties and stuff as, as you would when you're uh, young and, and cheeky. <laughs> um, so anyway, you know, just got, got a lot of feedback and it was the cool mug, you know, and everybody wanted to have a drink out of it. And uh, my, my, One of my best buds, uh, Matt Dennis, I graduated high school with him, went to grade school with him. Um, He wanted a set of mugs, and I I told him, you can have a set, but that took all weekend. You're coming home to build it yourself. And so we went home and built him a set of four mugs and then rounded my my set out to four over the next couple months. And 
that was it. You know, we just had these cool hand-built mugs. Um, nobody had ever seen anything like them because, you know, I mean, largely there really wasn't anything like them around. Um, and over those final few years of college, uh, you know, all of our close circle of friends kind of knew the mugs and knew about them. And, and then you, you enter that that time period, uh, you know, the five years following college where you're going to 10 weddings a summer. And uh, Matt and I would... <laughs> I can't tell you how many suits I bought during those periods, but uh, Matt and I would come home for a weekend and we would build a set of mugs together that then we would take as kind of our joint gift to some of our closest friends. Um, and that was that, that time period. Um, throughout those years, we ended up with mugs in different cities around, you know, Denver, Omaha, Houston. Um, and kind of after they had, after friends had had those mugs for quite some time, um, we were getting all kinds of feedback, like all of their friends and their circles wanted these things. And it was such a time, the, the time commitment to building them was so high that we we're just like, nope, this is wedding gifts for good friends only. And that's it, you know. Um, and over the course of a few years, we kind of had our arms twisted enough to give it a try and um, put a business model together, uh, spent spent $1,500, you know, on a, getting a website built. Uh, at the time we were like, this is crazy, man, like 1500 bucks, you know, can we, can we make this work? And <laughs> looking back, that was a heck of a deal, uh, all those years ago. But, um, yeah, so just decided we, we spent about a year refining the process, uh, in case this was something that took off. We knew we were going to need to be able to scale production, but also keep it, you know, hand built. Cause that's kind of where the value's at and where the cool factor is quite frankly. So, um, yeah, that was in 2017 when we launched the website and became an official, you know, business. And it's just been, it's been a wild snowball ride ever since. Yeah. So, so what is it about copper mugs and specifically that you would need for a Moscow mule or what makes them so appealing? Yeah. So the, there's the temperature, um, the temperature conductivity of copper is extremely good. And so it's, it's kind of a, uh, it, it's kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just a sensory thing, you know, on a hot summer day when the, when your copper mug is totally, it, it's the same temperature as the ice cold drink. Um, it's sweating, you know, there's beads of sweat running down it onto the picnic table or whatever. And the instant the mug like hits your lips, it's just, it's super cold and refreshing and, um, so there's kind of the sensory thing there. And then the original, the origin story of the Moscow mule allegedly was a uh, vodka company that was kind of down and out, uh, in the Hollywood area of California. And that was, uh, that's what we know as Smirnoff today. Um, there was a bar owner, um, that had invented a drink. Uh, it was a soft drink, uh, ginger beer. And that's, that was the cock and bull brand, which is still around today. Um, and he was the proprietor of this bar. Um, and then there was another gal and her name was Sophie. And she was over here from um, Moscow peddling her dad's uh, copper wares that he had built up um, over, over his career. And he was not having good luck over there. And so she came to America in search of better times. Um, so anyway, these three these three inventors slash business owners decided to uh, develop kind of a marketing plan to, to market a drink with some kick at uh, the, the A-list or movie crowd of the day. And that was when the Moscow Mule was invented. 
Um, that's, that's the story I've been told and it's a pretty good one. So I retell it as well. Um, but they do say that with the, the acidity of the lime, uh, in the mule that, uh, there's a reaction there with the copper that, that adds to the drink. I have, uh, had many Moscow mules out of glassware and I will say it doesn't, it's just not the same. It's gotta be out of copper. So whether there's any science to that or not, I don't know, but, uh, that's my story and I'll stick to it. Yeah. So, so Michael, when, when did this become a hobby and a gift? And and you said, you know, you, you got interest. So you kind of started the website, but when did that website become like, when did it hit that? Like, Hey, this, I could potentially make a, a small living off this or, or make, make money off of this when this is viable. When did that kind of dawn on you? So, you know, it was, there was a giant question mark over our heads from the get go. It was, you know, obviously we uh, were selling mugs, um, at the point where we decided to start building them, you know, for more than just friends' weddings, we were selling mugs locally around our hometown, um, and just more and more mugs. And it was, it was like a mini snowball effect. You know, every mug that would sit on someone's back patio at a barbecue or at their kitchen table, you know, you can kind of imagine the the conversational nature of those mugs. And you might sell another set or two, and then those ones would sell another set or two. Um, but it was all very, very local word of mouth, um, right around our hometown, which you guys know what small town Nebraska is like. Um, we know most of the people and they would just shoot us a text or give us a call, even though we had this order form on our website. Um, so, so that was that, um, it would have been probably about six months in, uh, I was actually, I think it was July because we were on a, va- I was on a vacation with my wife and, and her college roommates and all the husbands. We were up in the back country in Montana on a hike that day. Um, I had been away from O'Neill for a week out of touch with Matt, my business partner and best bud um, for most of the week. Um, I, I need to back up a minute. So shortly after we launched the website, we had uh, a gentleman from Omaha World Herald, Matthew Hansen, um, reach out. He wanted to come out and kind of interview us and, and write a little piece about, about Handlebend. So he and his wife, Sarah, came out, spent an afternoon. We showed him the, the shop, which was nothing more than a makeshift workbench in a corner of my dad and I's HVAC <laughs> shop. Uh, we kind of had the disclaimer that like, photographs all had to be facing like framed this direction and stuff because it's not really a you know copper shop it's just a a glorified corner of a workshop um so anyway they they spent the day and we had a good time and everything and and that was that so fast forward three or four months we had never really heard anything just figured you know story wasn't good enough whatever had kind of largely forgotten about it so i'm out in montana and it was a it was a sunday evening we get back into service um and my phone just like it hits service and just almost melts i mean it just i had to set it like off to the side for quite some time just to let it catch up and i had emails voicemails hundreds of emails like a hundred voicemails texts and i'm thinking what in the heck number one what in the heck just happened number two my brain went to uh matt is Matt's going to be pissed at me because I've just been totally out of touch with him and and he's freaking out. So I called him and he just starts laughing and tells me a story. Well, the the story that Matthew Hansen had written landed it on the front page of the Sunday World Herald. Um, And we had so so we had been a company for about well, we had been a company for just about a year. 
And we had sold uh, just under $30,000 worth of mugs uh, at that point. The day that that story dropped, uh, we had $30,000 worth of people's money in our account within three days uh, of that story hitting the, the paper. And we're just like, what are we going to do? You know, we're still, we're building these things at four in the morning before our day jobs. And, uh, you know, then taking kids to school and going to our eight to five, which was family businesses, and then running down there to the shop from five to bedtime in the evenings. And we're like, what are we going to do? And so we just started manually like ledgering, I guess, all the customers and the contacts and reaching out to them and saying, Hey, like, um, we totally understand if you want to cancel this, but it's going to be, you know, six to eight weeks minimum before we can get your, uh, your mugs out to you. And then we just put our nose to the grindstone and started going. And, um, the thing I always remember about that period was every single person, there was not one single person, um, that had a problem with it. Everybody was, Hey, we are, we, this is such a cool story. We're so proud of you guys. We're just happy to support you. We're happy to wait, um, send them out when you can. And it was, I just remember being totally floored, uh, that, that, that was the, the overwhelming response, not the overwhelming response, the only response. And it just was a reminder that that's why we live in Nebraska. You know, that's the kind of people that we grow up around and, and all that. And so, yeah, that was, that was the moment where it was like, well, this thing, this thing, we, we can maybe make it grow, you know, with that kind of feedback in a week. And then it was just, we've never looked back. It has just been always trying to keep up, you know, for five years now. And it's been a, a wonderful problem to have, but uh, yeah, here we are. So other than just the mugs, you looks like you branched out into a few other things on your website too. You have, um, does it look like a, I don't know, what would you say? Like a, it's not an Airbnb, but like a, a place to stay, like hang out and do. And then you have your tap house as well, correct? That, yes, that's right. So that's kind of been the snowball effect uh, that I mentioned before. And um, so you know, the mug production just continued to ramp up. Every year was bigger than the one before it. Um, and soon we had kind of like a bomb had went off and we had just exploded our copper shop uh, within the walls of dad's shop to the point where we had taken over, you know, the whole thing. And and dad's probably sitting there like, where'd my shop go? You know, I'm not, I'm not charging you guys enough rent for this. <laughs> um, so we were, we, we had our eyes on a couple different places um, around town thinking, you know, we eventually need to, we need to move out of here and have our own space. Um, we didn't have any employees yet. Um, and then we bought a, we bought a lot uh, on a highway frontage lot here in town. It's just a small place. We demoed a building kind of right in that time frame. hired a hired a, a younger guy to uh, work full time. And that was a temporary deal at first that turned into a longer term deal. Um, anyway, all that to say, we ended up, um, long story short, we ended up with this giant building. It's 14,000 square feet. Um, it was way more building than we needed or could use or could afford, quite frankly. The thing was going to need remodeled top to bottom. Um, luckily, it was not for sale. It was a hard no. The family that that owned it was the family that built it in the, in like the mid forties. So it was a very sentimental building. Um, 
it took us two years to get them kind of pitched on our ideas uh, and talked into selling it to us, which was fortunate. In those two years, we kind of had time to piece together this this business model um, at, at kind of a community effort at this building. Um, so by the time that uh, we had, on the day we closed, we, we closed on, I think it was April 1st, April 2nd, we were demoing the interior and, and running forward with the whole thing. We had it we had grand opening in the building eight months after we closed on it and that was a full remodel. So that's a testament to my business partner, Matt. He's the, he's the eye on the prize head down and let's go kind of guy. So, um, yeah. So as a piece of that, we ended up with a, a, a flower shop, flower and gift shop in the front retail space, um, a coffee shop that moved in with us and then a tap room that we ran under the HB brand and those three businesses all, all shared space up front, um, which is just, it's been a really nice thing. We've had some changes um, and we will continue to go through changes. It's just interesting sharing space and sharing business model and concepts. Um, but yeah, so we have uh, within Handlebend, we have the, the tap room up front. We don't brew any beer, um, but we just feature local uh, Nebraska beers and Nebraska spirits and all of our mules and cocktails. Um, and then the flower shop, and uh, we are in the process of uh, launching our own coffee shop brand up there. So we'll we'll have the whole kind of the whole beverage experience up there um, in the front, and then in the middle space, the, we kind of divide, divided the building into thirds. the The highway frontage with all the big glass and daylight is all uh, tap room and flower and gift, and then in the middle third of the building. Um, we left that all kind of open concept and we use that as a gathering space. We rent it out for banquets and small business conferences and those kinds of things. And then in the back third of the building, uh, it's where we moved our copper shop into. So we kind of have everything, um, under one roof, uh, at which point we gained, as you could imagine, many people up front drinking beer, uh, wanting to know what's going on back there in the coffee shop or I'm sorry, in the copper shop. Uh, and just, if, if you're in the building, you're given tours and people are just floored with it. So, um, that was kind of the, I guess the catalyst for hatching the Airbnb, um, idea. We, we bought a property right across the street, uh, south of our building. It's like a half a block walk from our back door, gutted and remodeled it. And so now we can get people to come out, um, from surrounding towns and, and drink beer and mules and we'll give them the full tour. And then they, don't need to worry about driving home. They can stumble across the street and head home with a headache the next day. It's such a unique challenge for small being in a small town too, right? You have these people that might want to come make it a destination, but how do they get home where you probably don't have as many hotels and places. So it's such a neat, neat solution to come yeah. up. With. It's been, um, it's been fun. You know, we've, yeah. we've had a lot of fun hosting the folks uh, that come from, you know, a lot of the locals you recognize or, or know. And so when you get a group of people from Grand Island or Norfolk or an hour, you know, outside of your hour circle, um, it's nice. It's nice to have them post up and camp out and be able to spend some time and, and have some fun with you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. It's also one of those things I'm sure when you were starting, you know, if you were to start a, a business plan, how would you possibly think, okay, I'm, we're going to make mugs. And then we're also going to have, you know, a coffee shop, an Airbnb, all these other things, you, you, you would never draw that line from the beginning. But as you 
just run the business, you come up with all sorts of neat solutions. Yeah, there's there's no way you could. There's no way you could map it out because um, you learn as you go. And then I think if you did try to, if you could line that all out, there's no way you'd be able to manage launching it all, you know? So it's just, uh, I think that is one of the things we're best at is um, just making it up as we go. You know, we, we've never taken ourselves too seriously. Um, and you just kind of look at it like day by day. I mean, every day you're just solving problems, you know, little problems and little problems. And over the course of a year, that puts you in a whole different, a whole different ballpark, you know? What, what is, what is the reception you're getting from, from other residents of O'Neill? Cause this seems like a pretty awesome deal to suddenly have pop up in a town of 3,500 people. This is this, you know, this it brings a new crowd in this, this brings revenue in this brings economic development is what is in a town of 3,500. This is a big deal. So what has the reception been like? It's been overwhelming. I mean, everybody has been so proud of, of us um, and so proud of this building. And that's, that's awesome. You know, it gives you a little bit of the, I guess the key term these days is the imposter syndrome. Um, but you know, it's, it's what we need. We need to, you, the, the narrative is on these small towns in, in rural Nebraska is that it's drying up. It's, you know, it's, it's going away. Um, and so we need something to be proud of in our towns. And, uh, you know, I feel a little bit fortunate and uh, maybe lucky that, that we happen to be the ones that, you know, that have had the good luck here. Uh, but we've had nothing but good, um, good feedback and, and people support us. Um, and we've seen a few cases where I think that, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say we inspired anybody per se, but, you know, I, I feel like maybe there have been a few folks in the, in the shadows that had ideas. Um, but you just, that it's a big barrier to entry in small town, Nebraska to do something outside the box. And, um, when they kind of see the wind, you know, O'Neill and, and the town and the county put the wind into our sails, like there's been a couple folks that have pulled the trigger on some projects and, um, that's great. Like that's what main street rural America needs is people investing, uh, time and energy and dollars into, into main street, get some of these buildings, you know, all these old brick buildings are falling apart and they just need, they need a little life breathed into them. Yeah, there's a little bit of a contagion that it gets sparked with um, someone being able to do it. And then that other person who sees, okay, well, there this could be possible to their risk. But also then you can form a little bit of a community around that of, um, you know, peer groups that can help support each other. And I see that a lot here in McCook where I'm at, with especially like the restaurant scene. They um, are really good about every owner. It's not about like, oh, you're taking away from me. They're like, no, come start a restaurant, do these things, and they will help support you. And we had some of our friends who run a food truck, and we interviewed them a few, quite a few episodes ago. And that was one of the things where they had worked in these kitchens for so long. And when they were talking to their former bosses, they're like, hey, I have this idea. They're like, absolutely. How can I help? And you just don't see that in bigger metro areas because it feels like everyone's trying to just take their piece and hold on to it. But in small towns, it's like, no, how can I share? How can I grow? What can I do for you? That's right. It's in, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of leaned on the the phrase of collaboration over competition. Um, you know, in a big city, you can afford to compete with the bar across the street or whatever. Um, and, and you maybe need to, cause you need 
butts in the seats, but in small town, Nebraska, um, you just, you have to work together. We all have to, and, um, kind of go by the mentality of the whole rising tide floats all the boats. Cause, uh, you know, if, if we're not looking out for each other, who's, who is, you know? Absolutely. So, so not to be the guy who did, who dramatically shifts the mood, but I think we're painting this picture of the, the, these friends who went to college together and liked to have a few drinks and like got bored one day and made some cups. And now they're the beloved heroes that get, you know, marched down O'Neill's streets on people's shoulders. <laughs> I want, so, on, so on let St. me, Patty's day. And like yeah. how, how so, so cool your story is, especially for the town. What are some of the obstacles? Cause it kind of sounds like, you know, I, I don't want, to confuse people that like sometimes luck just strikes and everything works out perfectly. And from 2017 to 2023, everything's been magical. What are some of the yeah. obstacles you've overcome or you you've experienced being in a small town trying to start something like this? You know, um, number one, I feel like the pressure probably, uh, will stand to mount a little more if you let it, um, just because the small town dynamic is much different. You know, you know, everyone, which is why we live here. Um, that's, that's one of the biggest positives is you have, you have the community, um, with you, but it's also kind of the other edge of the sword as well. Uh, as, as in like everybody, everybody knows you and they know your business and there's the rumor mill and you know, the, the, failure, you don't get to just like disappear into the shadows like you might in a, in a big city. Um, and so that's, that's all probably perceived pressure. Um, but it's something you have to learn. You have to manage it and, and keep it at bay and, and kind of look past it. Um, another thing is the financial end of it. Um, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to build anything. Um, and this is wildly outside the box. Like, how many copper mugs can you sell in, in a town of 3,500? Like, you know, not very many. And, and so it, it just is, it takes, it takes finding someone um, that can kind of get behind your story. Um, obviously you got to prove success. Uh, that's what keeps the books upright. Um, but you gotta be, you gotta find a, a crowd and a network of people that will kind of dream big with you, you know, cause it is, it is more risky than, you know, maybe a grocery store or a, a bar in a town of a half a million people. Um, so th there's that piece of it as well. You talked about, um, that weekend where you came back and you had like $30,000 worth of orders. Uh, how did you scale <laughs> in such a smart, like, that's the piece in my head. I was thinking, I was like, okay, it's go time. How did you mm -hmm. actually ramp things up to get it going there? People, a hundred percent people, um, you know, and, and hiring our first, hiring our first person was so scary. I think I even told, uh, our first time hire was Mo. Um, and I think I even told her in the interview, I, I was being lighthearted and joking, but I, I made a comment about, yeah, I hope we can, I hope we can write your paycheck here in six months, you know, and, and we <laughs> laughed about it. She laughed as well. But I remember when she left the interview uh, to go home, Matt looked at me and was like, Mike, you don't, you don't say that to potential employees. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, good noted. <laughs> uh, 
but a hundred percent people we have been able to um find or or maybe i should say very very talented people have found us and it's just been a blessing but we would not be able to do this without a fantastic team and everybody here is capable um and everybody here is willing to dream big everybody here is willing to go to work and that's that's what it takes you know do you have people from the community that you bring in or is it outsiders actually coming to o'neill to work for you guys so everyone everyone so far has uh we have 10 full-time hires we just hired three more here in the last two months um, with the advent of this coffee shop coming on board um everyone has o'neill connections and ties uh but we have we have hired a couple of people away from um jobs in the city down in lincoln so that's a little bit of a i'd bring up that imposter syndrome again you know but it kind of makes you question you're like man maybe maybe we do have something going on here you know it's a confidence booster for sure um but one thing i've one thing i have said uh that that i've learned with with this kind of handle bin story is that uh the people the talent is here in small town Nebraska. And I, I think that's a testament to, you know, our ancestors and the way they lived. Um, you got to be creative. There's not a Walmart down the street. Uh, when the tractor breaks, like you got to fix it with what you got. And I think it's a testament to the way we've grown up. Um, you know, we've watched our parents work hard and be creative and be tough and, you know, just do whatever it is, whatever it takes. That's what they do to make, make the ends meet. Um, and I think that that has kind of born and bred a, a very unique person that grows up in small town Nebraska or a small town Midwest. Um, and there's talent here. You just gotta, that's what Handleman's kind of been is just this, maybe this avenue to bring it out. You know, there's a, there's a place, a really cool place in O'Neill, Nebraska. You can go to work and use, you know, creativity and, and put your talents to work. Like, that it just kind of comes out of the woodworks, you know, and we've got a very talented team and we're having fun with it. Beautifully said. Very, very well said. So let's, let's, so let's talk some numbers. So we've heard your story and this is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I, O'Neill's kind of like in the North center of Nebraska, give or take, right. I go up that way a lot. Um, so I, I got to stop by and see this place. Uh, I go yeah. to South Dakota a lot. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> but nice. let's talk some numbers and, and I won't ask financials if you're not comfortable. How, what, what's your staff like now? How, what are you at staff wise from 2017? So have, it was you and your friend and where are you at today? Right. So we have 10, 10 full-time employees now, um, which is kind of staggering and nerve wracking, but, but here we <laughs> are. And that is, uh, that's company wide. So we got two guys in the coffee shop or Coffee shop and copper shop are such a similar word. Yeah, that would be confusing. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so we got two guys running the copper shop. Um, currently, we have a team of two uh, in the creative department. And then we have a taproom manager. Um, that's what Natasha is our taproom manager. She came on board from day one when we opened this building and it's been here. Um, and then we just hired another position that will kind of uh, co-op that position with her. And then we have two gals, um, that are more geared towards the, the coffee shop and the, the food. We're gonna have a light food menu. Um, so they're kind of ramrodding that. And, uh, yeah. So from zero to 10, very quickly, we had, uh, you know, one for two or three years and then 
you know, the last five years, it's just been, let's go, <laughs> hang on. So how much of your sales would come from like outside the community, from like shops, you know, for mugs and things like that? And how much of it is more built around what you do in town with the tap room and the different places? Yeah, I would, I would venture rough numbers. Um, I say this more confidently when Matt's sitting by my side. So in co we have college buddies that uh, they refer to Matt and I as a mullet. They say uh, Matt's the business <laughs> up front and Mike's the party in the back. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, I would say roughly 70 to 75% of our sales are online um, through handlebin.com and then, you know, there'd be a small percentage that funnels through the social media stuff. Um, probably, probably 60 to 70% of those sales are in Nebraska. Um, and then the, the 30 to 40 are outside of Nebraska and we, we ship mugs. I, I, the last I knew there was two States that we hadn't shipped to, and that's been long enough ago. I would bet, I would bet that those are, checked off but we've got mugs you know up and down the east and west coast um really all over the place we've sent mugs overseas a good handful of times um so yeah they're just they're just going everywhere it's wild it's pretty cool what's the turnaround time so from the time you start a mug to the time you have a completed product how you have two guys in the in the in the copper not coffee copper yeah. shop two yeah. guys how long does it take average to make a mug beginning to end so when, when we were looking at, at turning this into a build, into a business, you know, six years ago, whatever it was, um, we would time the processes and we figured for our, for our numbers crunching, we had to put an hour a mug. Um, that, that was what we based all of our overhead and labor and numbers off of. Now, if you were to come in the shop and, and watch me build a mug, you would say, well, that took like four minutes because what you're seeing is the actual brazing of the, of the different parts together. And then it goes over here and sits um, as it goes through the, the finishing process. So you're not doing all the processes start to finish at once, but, but roughly an hour a mug. Um, once the mug is put together and built, it's just like building a house. Like it looks like it's going really quickly and then you get to the finish work and that's where the time slows down. Um, so our mugs, what we based everything on, and we have probably gotten a little bit faster, um, just with help and you, you put more minds, uh, at problem solving and we've been able to refine things a little further, but, but we've got to keep it hand built. You know, that's the whole a hundred dollars a mug, uh, the sets, sets of two sell for two twenty five, and sets of four sell for four twenty five, And that's because they're a unique one of a kind product that you can go you can stop in our tap room and have a beer with the guy that built them, you know? Um, and so that's, that's where we're at there. Um, turnaround time, as far as orders, uh, last year was the first year we were ever caught up and we act, we actually started being able to pile some stock on the shelves. And so if it's just a plain set of mugs, not custom, um, we can grab them off the shelves, ship them that day. You'll have them in two, three days, just about anywhere. Um, the custom process, we are continuing to refine and get that quicker as well. But, um, in an emergency, you know, we can have those to you in three or four days. Uh, we'd like to try to keep that like week to 10 day expectation on there just because as we go through the process and when we do get stacked up, um, it, it could be a week. Yep. So what's, so, so, so la my, my last numbers question, um, 
2023 expected volume and I'm once again I'm focusing on on the copper cups but because uh, you have so much more going on which is going to be awesome for you but what do you, what do your expected sale or uh, volume that you're going to push out this year so we have I think officially we have yet to crack 5,000 mugs okay. we've been close so we're that would be a if if we could get over the hump on 5,000 mugs this year that would be that'd be exciting you know and okay. We did a, a good job. It's a lot of mugs a day. It's a lot of mugs a day. And, it, and it, you know, it doesn't matter how, how prepped you think you are. The day after Thanksgiving hits and you're fighting to stay ahead Ooh. every year. I didn't think about yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in terms of your growth, how much do you feel is like organic from people seeing it, asking about like where you got that and ordering yourself? Or how much are you guys really going out there um, to try to promote, get, you know, at least eyes on that, whether that be through advertising or other things, what's, how have you been growing basically? I, I feel like a hundred percent organic is a strong number, but it's probably pretty close. Um, and I say that, uh, very specifically because we've had a couple of, we've had a handful of educations, uh, via quote unquote marketing, kind of your box marketing companies. Um, and we've spent a lot of money for those educations, but the, the thing that we have tried, um, very pointedly to do is to just, just be us. You know, we, we had a marketing company. This will kind of paint the, the encompassing picture. We had a marketing company that we had worked with. We were giving them a test run, uh, kind of the three week, the, sorry, the three month agreement ran out. We, we pumped them with another big retainer. Um, and we were like a month and a half into that. And you could tell they were getting frustrated because everything they wanted to do, we were just, no, no, no. We'll provide you with content and copy because ours is quite frankly better than yours. Um, they wanted to push it this way and that and put a very, very salesy spin on it. Uh, and we just were, we just wanted to like promote sitting down and unplugging, you know, around our mugs with your family and your friends, um, you know, back to the early days, that was the feedback we were getting when we had friends that had gotten these as wedding gifts. Um, they were hosting with them. They were really proud of these mugs that their buddies built. And so they'd have a, a mule bar at their house on a Friday night, or they'd have a barbecue and serve mules, you know, and we just realized like our mugs are literally bringing people together. And so we just decided early on that if we're going to, if we're going to, air quotes, market these things. Like that's what we're going to do is we're going to promote in this crazy connected world um, where you're stuck to your phone and your, your uh, devices. We're going to promote like flipping the phone over, unplugging everything and just like sit down and slow down with your, your loved ones. Um, so now back to this company, we could tell they were getting very, very frustrated. And one day on the phone, this guy was on speaker phone and, and he's just like, he stops and he's like, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to sell mugs or do you want to just tell stories? And Matt and I just look at each other and we're like, we just want to tell stories, man. And he like is not the answer he was expecting. And you could just tell he was like, I'm sure he broke a pencil in half or something. I don't know, but they're super frustrated. So anyway, um, we have tried to stay away from that um, as much as we possibly can. I just hate feeling salesy. Um, the, the jury's still out on whether social media like actually works. I don't think it does. And so it's like, why are you sinking your, your time and money into trying to 
sell your mugs um, online. Like, let's just let's just have fun. And and the feedback we've gotten is like that's what that's what everybody likes. Like, just have fun. You don't want to be sold anything. Um, you just want to see good people doing good things. And so we just try to do a very good job of of doing that. Just being good people and doing good things. And and we put that forward. And um, that's why I can confidently say I would, I would guess a high percentage of our growth has been um, quote unquote organic. And I love to hear, I love to hear that because so much what you hear online is like, Oh, it doesn't really matter what you're selling. You can just go buy something from China and fulfill it in Amazon and just drop ship, do this. And it's all about, you know, getting your AdWords right, your SEO, your SEM, and getting it in front of much people and just trying to convert, convert, convert. And I feel like from my experience of business and what, you know, you're telling me and so many other people we talk about, it's like, no, either solve a problem that people genuinely have or make something that people genuinely love and want, and then they'll come to you. You know, if you make it available and you do good things and you're genuine about it, that's how you grow. It's not this kind of like forced injection of, I don't know, mathematical formulas on if you put in X, you're going to get Y. And yeah, I think that's totally right. And, and, and that's just, I, I think, because it's, you know, the second I think I've cracked the code, like it'll all spin and go the other way. But um, yeah, you know, and, and there's a little bit of a unique deal for us because it, it's a price point that it's not an impulse purchase. Um, it's it's something that you see it and probably your first your first reaction is <laughs> screw these guys like what if, who do they think they are you know it's not worth that but it's something you definitely got to stew on a little bit um maybe put your you know stack your sock drawer stash up a little bit before you can pull the trigger or wait until there's a you know a reason a lot i i would say i would say three out of four sets are probably bought as gifts. Um, it's a nice price point for gifts and those kinds of things. Uh, and so you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get the keywords right and do a social media spend on getting this in front of somebody that's going to impulse buy it. Um, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Well, it's also a product that'll last you probably forever (laughs) in terms of the only time you'd buy it again is if you needed more of them. Um, but you're going to hit, you know, a certain threshold on that too, where you're going to be like, okay, I have enough mugs for my Moscow meal bar. So yeah, you're not trying to just kind of game to get people to buy something that breaks that they have to buy over again, or it is so cheap. They use it once for a party and then, you know, throw it in a tote somewhere in a cupboard in the back of a room. Right. These things are just as much functional decor as they are drinkware. You know, we I mine sit on the windowsill above my uh, kitchen sink and they're just, you know, they're beautiful mugs and you have them, you just will have them out. That way you remember to use them too. Going back to your comments about marketing and trying, testing new things. I think, I think you kind of hit on a really important subject here. You know, you want to tell stories. You want to promote sitting around a bonfire, drinking some, some drinks with your friends, uh, We've all, we all, we're all small town people like bonfires are a thing, man. Uh, but I think in today's super Uber connected world where Tanner's right, you know, everyone, the gurus on, on social media are telling you that it's easy to start a business and do this. I think what you guys brought to the table was something that people are starting to kind of wake up and realize that they're missing, which is, which is authenticity and kind of pride, right? 
you did you 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 had every opportunity to turn this company into a well-oiled money producing machine and you sat back and said but at what cost and i like that's not only are you providing immense value to your community you started out in a really kind of funny story of i was bored i found some copper and uh but now you've 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 kind of flipped the flipped the script and you've kept it true to that small town identity that community kind of aspect it's it's really impressive what you've done and i and i, I want to applaud you from 2017 to 2024 2023 the whatever year we're in now uh that's impressive oh, stuff man 10 employees new building this and and all while staying true to yourself which i think is a is a really solid point for you um, and that's going to help I, you go i hope so and i appreciate i appreciate hearing that um because you Man, it's like the, the day you uh, tell yourself you're staying true to yourself is the day that you're probably sliding down that slippery slope, you know. So uh, it's I find it best to not pick your head up and and look at that too much. But yeah, we're we're hopeful. I mean, I I hope every one of the employees that uh, work with us, um, I hope they're here ten years from now and twenty years from now. And if they're not, it's because they are moving on to something bigger and better, and that's awesome. Um, and I'll help them do that in any way I can. But um, you know, we're, we're a creative company. We're creative. We're in a creative world. Um, and you do have to be out there in front of people, um, because you're only going to sell a a X number of mugs in, in small town, Nebraska. Um, but man, if, if we were, if we were hiring people to dive into analytics and, and, you know, fine tune efficiencies, uh, on the internet and internet sales and diving into that, like, I just can't imagine we're going to keep this thing staffed. Um, where when you roll in and the, the 25 year old with the camera says, Hey, do you guys know it's national bike day? Like, let's go outside and make a stupid video. It, you know, that's like, it's what keeps it light and fun. And it's like, we can, we can do whatever we want. And we do. <laughs> do you leverage any like partnerships with brick and mortar retail shops to sell your mugs or is it just purely through your own channels? We we've been very light on that, uh, so far, um, just because we're just kind of growing into ourselves in being able to keep up. And so uh, we really haven't had time to, we haven't had the time and resources to throw number one, like inventory at that. And number two, uh, to, to stay and keep up with those things. If, you know, if somebody would hit it out of the park. Um, And so we've, we've just, it's just been a factor of time and resources, but um, it's something we're starting to look into and, you know, you want to find the right fit. Um, one thing I've said, whether it's beer that we have on tap um, or partnering with a retail, like a brick and mortar store, I just want to, I don't know if you guys, you'll edit this out if it's not okay. But one thing we say around Handleman a lot is like, let's just do cool shit. Um, we've actually got a t-shirt mocked up that will be probably a shop internal t-shirt, but um, we, we just want to do cool shit with good people. And there's, in the brewery case, there's, there's, I'm going to misspeak on this, but there's 80 breweries in Nebraska, give or take. And, and they're all awesome. I've had probably most of them, most of their beers and they're all good. But, um, you know, the, the breweries that we have on tap up here in O'Neill are the people that we have spent time with, um, drank their beer with them, got to know them, made friends out of them. And we're going to do the same thing. You know, if we, if we start, uh, moving mugs into somebody else's store. Like I, I don't want to just be another product you have to carry. 
I want you to be proud of as proud of my product as I am. And I want you to know the story and be able to speak well to it um, because you want to, not because I give you a cheat sheet and something you got to study and, and all that. So I just think it's the right way to do business. Um, it just do business on a relationship basis. And, you know, when you pick your head up once in a while, you kind of realize you've made a, a slew of friends just in doing business. And that's a nice, nice thing to have done. It's a good way to do business. You um, build partnerships by community, right? Like you said, rather than just being more transactional, because you could easily see like, okay, I want to get into all the breweries and you would come up with some promotion to get your mugs in with them and then that. But like you said, if they can't speak true to it and really show to the pride of it, if it were, if, especially if people see the price and are like, oh, that's hundred dollars for that who would ever buy that and if the bartender can't actually say anything it's like i don't know just leaves it doesn't do you any service <laughs> so that's exactly right and that's you know that 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 whole mindset i guess kind of speaks to you guys in the podcast too like this is just such a nice thing we have these days to be able to sit down in longer format and and visit converse and you know go back and forth and let it go let it go on a tangent if that's where it's going and i mean that's how that's how communication works. Like it's not all about a three minute business calling on to the next one. Like it just, that's no fun. Love it. Well said. Well, Michael, we're, we're wrapping up. We're getting close to our time here. Um, so I wanted to give you the opportunity. Where can people learn more about handle bend and where can they look if they want it? They want to view once again, the distressed copper mugs. I'm telling everyone, go look at them now. They're freaking gorgeous. You fall in love the second you see them. But where, where can we find you, Mike? So everything online is Handlebend. It's uh, www.handlebend.com. And then on all the social medias, um, I'm, I guess I'm probably dating myself, but I'm a Facebook and Instagram guy. Uh, the creative department has added on the TikTok and the, what, you know, all the, all the things. Um, so, but it's just, it's just at Handlebend on all those platforms. Um, and then the best thing is to Main Street, O'Neill, Nebraska, we're block west of the big shamrock and on the south side, like stop in and let's have a beer or a mule and build some community. Perfect. Well, I know I, when next, next time I head up to South Dakota, I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally go through and I'll stop by and find you. All right. Yeah. Let me know. Give me a day or whatever. Give me a little heads up and uh, we'll, sure. we'll chop out yeah. some time to, to break bread. That'd be, that'd be awesome, man. Well, thank you, Tanner. I'll let you sign us off. Yeah. No, thanks again, Mike, for joining us. Um, for everyone who's listened, um, thank you as well. Make sure to check out all the handle bend gear. Pick yourself up some mugs. They are, like why I said, unbelievably cool. They're just, the moment uh, we saw your website, I was like, okay, yeah, that, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I really and again, appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Uh, and then again, if you're still listening to this subscribe to us on youtube any of the channels like spotify or apple podcast rate us five stars if possible it really helps with promoting and just share with your friends like michael was saying it's a community if you found some, some of this stuff valuable share it with your friends share the story of handle bend and hopefully they can check them out as well so until then we'll see you next week bye guys <laughs>